morning, everyone. Shalom to you. Praise God indeed for the privilege of worshipping here week after week in this beautiful sanctuary. And I pray that we will not take this privilege for granted. I pray that our hearts would continue to be open to the Holy Spirit to do His transforming work in each one of us, whether on site or online. To those who are new to Wesley, we are almost at the end of our Real Church Sermon Series on 1 Corinthians, and today we will look at chapter 14, Eagerly Desire Spiritual Gifts. Join me in prayer as we commit this time to God. Father, Father, as we prepare to listen to your word, we come before you with hearts full of gratitude and reverence. Thank you, God, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We ask, O oh God, that you open our hearts, open our hearts and our minds, O oh God, to receive your word and to understand the truth that you want to reveal to each one of us. We pray, O oh God, that you remove any distractions preventing us from fully engaging with your holy word. Speak, Lord, for we, your people, are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was in secondary school, I was asked to write an essay on my ambition. Now, I could vaguely remember the contents of the essay, except that I entitled it, If I Were a Prophet. Now, what I could remember vividly was the interview that I went through as I talked about my dream to be a prophet. Now, though I was a very young Christian then, I remember trying to convince my teacher of my dream to bring God's word to every corner of the earth. Now, little did I imagine that the Lord would actually grant me, although not exactly, the innocent desires of my heart. And what amazed me even more was that many years later, when I attended a seminar on spiritual gifts at Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, I discovered, to my pleasant surprise, that I actually have some inclination towards the gift of prophecy. Now let me share with you another incident. On my last day in my home church before I joined the pastoral ministry, I wanted to take some members out for lunch, but I did not make any reservation. And one of them very eagerly said to me, let's go for a very memorable lunch. And straight away I said, memorable doesn't mean it has to be good. A horrible lunch can be easily, can be equally memorable. And guess what? True to my prophecy, the lunch turned out to the most horrible lunch that we ever had. Does prophecy always contain predictions about the future? Now, this seems to be a common misconception that many people have concerning prophecy. Pastor Ray talked about the variety of gifts in the sermon on gifts, lordship, and love. And he said that prophecy is the ability to foretell, predict the future, and foretell, speaking forth God's view for present circumstances. Friends, prophecy is not necessarily foretelling. It is foretelling. It is speaking forth the message of God to his people. And in many, if not most cases, it will not contain predictions about the future. And when it does, the biblical test is in the prophecy itself. There is the fulfillment or lack of fulfillment in it, as in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 
22. Now today I'd like to focus on the gift of prophecy, in particular the fourth telling aspect of prophecy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul climaxes his discussion on spiritual gifts by encouraging the Corinthians to prefer prophecy to tongues. But Paul acknowledges a place for both prophecy and tongues and for the other gifts if they are made intelligible and exercised in an orderly manner. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 25, fall into an ABBA pattern. A, verses 1 to 6, give the reasons for preferring prophecy. B, verses 6 to 12, outline some of the problems with tongues. B, verses 13 to 19, address a solution to those problems. And A, verses 20 to 25, return to the reasons for preferring prophecy. Now, what is the gift of prophecy? The gift of prophecy is the divine enablement, the divine enablement to reveal truth and proclaim it in a timely and relevant manner for understanding, correction, repentance, or edification. Now, how do you know that you have the gifts of prophecy? Here's a quick test. If you have the gift of prophecy, you expose sin or deception in others for the purpose of reconciliation. You speak a timely word from God, causing conviction, repentance, and edification. You see truth that others often fail to see, and you challenge them to respond. You warn of God's immediate or future judgment if there is no repentance. And with that, let me propose three pointers to exercise the gift of prophecy. First, prophecy must be bonded by love. Bonded by love. Paul begins chapter 14 by saying, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Friends, love must be the motivation for our service. Excel in love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts from the perspective of love. In the English Standard Version, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The priority here is to pursue love and prefer prophecy. Now, this verse is part of a larger passage in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul is addressing the Corinthians about the use of spiritual gifts within the Christian community. Now, notice that Paul uses a strong verb in verse 1. Pursue, follow the way of, when he asks us to excel in love. And this is a stronger verb than the one that follows, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Now, Paul emphasizes the importance of love, which he discusses in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and the proper use of spiritual gifts for the edification and the building up of the church. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul dealt with the, the variety of spiritual gifts and essential unity in the body of Christ, he has laid down a very important theological foundation for ministry, and that is love. 
And this can be seen in the way that he concluded chapter 12. He says, Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and I will show you the most excellent way. The excellent way of serving is to serve in love, as Pastor Ray reminded us two weeks ago. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, resumes the thread of chapter 12, verse 31. It picks up the two themes of chapter 12, verse 31, love and desiring the greater gifts, but in reverse order. Friends, love must be the motivation for our ministry. It's very interesting to note that 1 Corinthians 13 is often is a common text for weddings, just like Psalm 23 has often been used for funerals. Now let me say that this beautiful love chapter that we all know so well is written in the context of ministry and not marriage. Today, what is our motivation for service? I thank God that many of you here are already serving and many have signed up to serve at the ministry fair last week. What is your motivation for serving? Friends, with love as the priority, the gift of prophecy is to be pursued and preferred because this gift brings understanding and strengthening to the church. And this leads us to my second point. Prophecy must build up the church. Prophecy must build up the church. It is clear in verse 2, that the misuse of tongues was one of the Corinthians' major problems in the exercise of their spiritual gifts during worship. So Paul writes, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now Paul gives the purpose of prophecy in verses 3 and 4. He says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for the uplifting and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Friends, our gifts are for edification, not for exhibition. We are to edify the body of Christ, not exhibit our gifts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel, building up. Try to excel in building up the church. Now, how can prophecy build up the church? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, we see the threefold effect of prophecy. Edification or in an NIV, strengthening, exhortation, or encouragement, and comfort. The words of edification can build up the church when we promote spiritual growth. The Greek word for edification, oikodomio, is derived from oikos, this house, and domio, to build. It means literally the building of a house. Friends, prophetic utterances belong to the good material which are used to build up the church. Words of exhortation, paraklesin, can fire up the church when we speak the truth in love. We release words of exhortation 
when we make a stand for God. Words of comfort, paramuthia, can cheer up the church when we call upon the Holy Spirit, the comforter for help. Friends, when we are under pressure, perhaps facing resistance or obstacles when seeking to do what the Lord has spoken to us, the release of prophecy through words of comfort can calm fears and doubts and help us to rest in the Lord. You know, from the way that Paul writes, we can deduce that the church was neglecting prophecy and giving more emphasis to tongues. Paul tells us in verse 5 to prefer prophecy over tongues. He says, now I want now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. In verse 6, Paul makes it clear that the exercise of the gift of tongues is legitimate. In any case, every gift of God is good and is to be used. He says, now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? You know, the issue here is that of understanding. Because words spoken must be understandable before edification can take place. Therefore, tongues spoken are to be interpreted. Indeed, when tongues are interpreted, they, like prophecy, contain a foundation, fundamentally instructional and exhortational component. Besides edification, prophecy can build up the church when there is an encounter with the Lord. Friends, the body of Christ is built up when there is an encounter with the Lord and not when we are being entertained by men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22, Paul tells us that tongues can be a sign of something miraculous, an indication of God's presence to unbelievers. Verse 22, Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. You know, too much emphasis should not be placed in tongues even for unbelievers. We see in verse 23 that excessive use of the gift of tongues will have adverse effect on them. And they will think that Christians are out of their minds. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, would they not say that you are out of your mind? In fact, the believer does not need that sign, for he already has an indwelling Holy Spirit in him. During a prayer meeting, Charles Spurgeon suddenly stopped his sermon, and he pointed in a certain direction, and he said, Young men, those gloves that you are wearing have not been paid for. You have stolen them from your employer. 
Now, after the prayer meeting, the young man came to the vestry and begged to see Spurgeon. Pale and trembling, the young man confessed that he had stolen the gloves that he was wearing, and he promised never to steal again, and he begged Spurgeon not to expose him to his employer. You know, that young man encountered the Lord through Spurgeon's prophetic word. Friends, what built up the church is the blessing of prophecy that points unbelievers to God. And they bring them to the conviction of sin as they encounter the Lord themselves. Verse 24. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Now let me share with you this testimony that I heard during a mission trip to China. There was this mission team worshipping the Lord in a place that's located next to a Chinese temple. Now the mission team felt the Spirit's prompting to sing one particular song over and over again. The title was, of the song was Ye Ti De Hua, Lilies of the Field. Now the lyrics of this song is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, and it tells of the extent of God's Jesus' love and care for every one of us, and the song gives us the assurance not to worry. So they sang the song over and over again. You know, the next day, the temple chief approached the mission's team leader to inquire about the song. And the temple chief later confessed that as the song was continuously sung, he could literally feel all his temple gods and idols leaving him. And he said, there must be a great power behind the team. And he gave his life to Jesus. Amen to that. In verses 24 to 25, we see the threefold effect of prophecy on unbelievers. He will be convicted of sin. He will be called to take into account of his sin and examine his sinful conditions. And he will confess God openly. Friends, the release of prophecy when bonded by love, can build up the church. Now, what are some discipleship lessons here? If you have the gift of prophecy, then the natural outlet for your gift includes any realm where you are able to influence believers to live godly lives. Teaching, mentoring, and equipping others are great avenues of influence. However, we need to bear in mind the tendency of being judgmental or negative when we are placed in a position of leadership. Let me encourage you to immerse yourself in God's Word. Take ownership of your own personal discipleship. Have a regular time with God and let God speak. Be highly sensitive to sin. Live a Christ-like life. Proclaim God's word with boldness. 
Perhaps you may be thinking, how can you play your part in building up the church through the role of prophecy? You know, one immediate window of opportunity is the weekly services that we have here. Invite your loved ones to church. Bring your loved ones to our weekend services whereby they can be exposed to God's word and God's will and thereby be established in the faith as they encounter the Lord personally. You know, Paul values the gift of prophecy because it can be used to edify, encourage, and comfort the church. Be intentional in building up the church. Paul says in verse 26, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Now here Paul reinforces his point that when we gather, whether in small groups or as a church, all things must be done for building up. Friends, the broader message in this chapter is that spiritual gifts should be exercised with order and understanding in the worship context with the primary goal of building up the body of believers in love. And this leads us to my final point. Point. All true prophecy must be birthed by God. All true prophecy must be birthed by God. Now, the Corinthians were a diverse group with a variety of spiritual gifts. And Paul wanted to ensure that their use of their gifts do not lead to confusion or division within the church. And so while they were encouraged to desire spiritual gifts, they were also reminded to use them in a way that promotes unity and love among believers. Friends, the central purpose of prophecy is always to connect us to the Lord, to connect us to the Lord, to his heart, his purposes, and his plans for us, and to help us better fulfill his kingdom purposes for our lives, and the lives of our church. And this is exactly what we are told in the, in the book of Revelations, where the angel says to the Apostle John, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In other words, the essence of what prophecy does is to reveal Jesus, to testify to Jesus who he is, his heart, his love for us, and his desire to encourage us as we seek to serve him. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 29 to 33, gives us some guidelines for exercising the gift of prophecy in the church. And when the guidelines are observed, there would be order in worship. First, there is no contradiction. Verse 29. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. Friends, every prophecy must be tested and weighed. And it's very helpful to bear these questions in mind as we evaluate the authenticity of a prophecy. Does the prophecy glorify Christ? Does it edify the body of Christ? Is it in accordance with scriptures, is the prophecy given in the spirit of love? Is Jesus Lord 
of the speaker's life? Does the speaker submit to the church leaders? Does the speaker allow others to weigh and evaluate the prophecy? And is the speaker in control of himself when speaking? No contradiction. Second, there is no competition. Verse 30. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silenced. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. So my friends, take turns to speak. Learn from one another. Encourage one another. Third, there is no confusion. Verse 32. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Friends, when these guidelines are observed, there would be order in worship. And there is no contradiction, no competition, and no confusion. Instead, there is confirmation of the word. Because God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. You know, when we begin to build on the word of God and speak the word as it is written, the Holy Spirit comes alongside and we have what we call the anointing. The more we become excited about the word of God, the more power we will see. But we don't need the power of man's demonstration. What we need is a demonstration of God's power. And surely the Lord will honour his word by his spirit. Now let me close with what Henry Nouwen said in one of his classics. He said, when we are spiritually free, when we are spiritually free, we do not have to worry about what to say or do in unexpected or difficult circumstances. When we are not concerned about what others think of us or what we will get for what we do, the right words and actions will emerge from the centre of our beings. Because the Spirit of God who sets us free will speak for us and act through us. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So my friends, let's keep yielding to the Spirit of God so that we can build up the church through the gift of prophecy that is birthed from Him and bonded in love. Let us pray. Just continue to allow the Word of God to sing into your hearts as we respond to him. 
What is God saying to you today? What is God saying to you about your spiritual gifts and how you're using those gifts? And invite every one of us to take a few moments to pray, to offer those gifts to God. To ask God to use you as his his channels of blessing to build up the church. Father, we thank you for the words of instruction that were given to the saints in Corinth. Thank you, God, that you are not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. We pray, O God, that you would give us wisdom when we come across disunity within the body of Christ, so that we may know how to behave and what to do in a way that honours your name and character. Help us, O God, to walk day by day in humility and godly righteousness to your honour and glory. We submit all our gifts to you for your use, for your glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.